This is Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. John Hansen here, joined by Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors in her Bears gear today. Yep, go Bears. Yeah, you you say that, but now you don't get to watch this, uh, the exciting ending. They're down seven. I'll keep you posted, Audrey. Okay? Oh, thank you. And uh, on your way home, you can listen to Happen OB on the postgame show. Um it's such a beautiful Sunday. It's almost a shame we have to talk about crime in the suburbs, but I just feel like we need to address something because as someone who's lived in the city for a long time, obviously I'm well aware of the crime statistics. And Chicago crime statistics, the city, are very easy to find. They are published. I see nearly every website and local news site has like a tracker of some kind. But I feel like since there are so many municipalities in the suburbs that report crime in different ways, it is really hard to get a grasp on the simple question of is crime really up in the suburbs? Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. And you're correct. It's very much self-reporting by each area, by each town, each municipality as to how they report and what they report. Right, because the FBI has a database, right, and police uh, departments can submit the data to the FBI to have some sort of national grasp on this, but a lot of them don't. And it may not be for nefarious reasons. There's an updated program that the FBI uses, and a lot of these police departments, especially if they're smaller, may not have the funding to do it. I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but everyone tries to attack police departments that don't submit the info to the FBI, but literally they're waiting for a little bit more funding to help report it. So it just, it's muddy. Very much so. And it's hard for law enforcement to do that because they have to comb through all the police reports, all the calls that come in. So someone has to go back and review for the year. So much data. Right. I was looking at an article from last year about suburban uh, Cook County crime data compared to 2020 to 2021. It was at the end of the year. And they were pointing out that homicides were up in some of the suburban Cook counties. Um and other articles I've tried to find don't they, they they break it down like Evanston had six deadly shootings in 2021 versus one in 2019, which of course is a big increase. But we're talking about I mean each homicide of course is horrific, but you're talking about limited numbers. Cicero six versus two, eight versus zero in South Holland. So you are seeing these spikes. But we don't have anything for 2022 at all yet, do we? No, right. There's nothing out there in 2022 yet. And I think people get the perception that violent crime is up just because it's being reported so much more than how it used to be. Right. So that's what I wanted to ask is that now that we all have our phones, we a lot of us have Twitter. We are so engaged right now and this has become a national conversation. Could there be a perception that crime is maybe not significantly up? And again, I'm not saying it isn't or it is. Uh, but that we just consume it so much differently now. That's very true. I agree. Right, definitely. I do think that in the numbers that they've shown that murder rates have increased, it hasn't gone to the numbers like how you had murder and homicide rates back in the 90s from what I was able to research. But it seems as if other property times crimes has not been as significant in the past couple of years as it has before, except for motor vehicle thefts, it seems like. Oh, yes. And the carjackings, of course, have been huge. Yeah. And um, Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors, by the way, you do a lot of work in the suburbs. So when we kind of pose the question for you, what where did you go for research? I mean, I started with Google and trying to find news articles and really couldn't find much. Do you have access to certain secret court documents that we don't? No, that was part actually what I was looking at. Case filings in court systems is a good measure, perhaps, of how many cases get charged. But again, 
10 individuals commit crimes, but only prosecutors charge one individual because of the evidence. So that's not truly a good indicator. It's always looking at that or press releases by law enforcement. Sometimes they release their numbers. But again, that could be skewed or not quite accurate as how they categorize the crimes. 312-981-7200. I know it's dangerous to do it like this, to ask what you have perceived in your neighborhoods if you live in the suburbs or suburban Cook County and uh, the city as well. I know obviously the city stuff is well documented because I immediately feel like everyone's going to call in and text in and say, yes, of course, crime is up because and a lot of it gets reported on next door, these apps that we use to connect each other. But sometimes I'm blown away by how much is posted on there and there seems to be all this apocryphal evidence, but it may not bear out in the statistics of what we see year to year. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Oh, yes, definitely. That's very true. And and who knows? the There's so many different variety and reasons for why people think crime may be up or things that could be done to help curb it. Right. How about it's easy to say like, well, Audrey, you're a defense attorney. Or do you have more work than you used to do? But that's not a good barometer either, because it could be just your continue to rise the ranks as a respected attorney in the area and other reasons, too. That's true. And crime could be cyclical. Sometimes in the winter months, it may slow down. Mm-hmm. But then domestic violence increases just because people are inside more than they are outside or more carjackings and other violent types of crimes occur when it's warmer outside because people are out and about. So then our caseload increases that way. Right. We obviously have had a couple incidents at malls. I remember last mm-hmm. year there was the, it was I think it was Oak Brook. Oak Brook right. Then we just this past weekend had a shooting at Yorktown, right? Yes, that's true. But it's not to say that there has never been crime at those spots before. And I think that alludes to things that we say that there are very, there are some high incident ones that people know about. They make the news. Of course, carjackings have been on everyone's mind for the past couple of years. Smash and grabs were on everyone's minds last winter. We saw some of those at the suburban malls too. But if you zoom out and try and see the overall look at crime, again, there's not a lot of data. Right. There's definitely not a lot of data. And I think people are focusing on that because those happen in places where just the regular general public go, not necessarily looking at the specifics as such as the Oak Brook or Yorktown or other carjackings. Are they were there complete strangers that are involved in the altercation or is there uh, already a commonality between the alleged victims and the shooters? And there was a an argument that escalated into oh, right. someone pulling out a weapon. Right, which doesn't make it right or any better. It still put a lot of innocent people at risk, but it, it, it doesn't spell to a, a growing trend of people just wildly going out and, and being crazy, although that still could be happening. We're just stra- scratching the surface here. 312-981-7200. You can call the line if you have any thoughts on this. AndersonAA.com is where you can find Audrey, uh, attorney uh, Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. We'll do more after we have the news here on WGN. Well, good news. We just had an extra point made for the Bears to tie up that game. Uh, coming down the wire, Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors decked out in her Bears gear here today on this Sunday. And just a reminder, after this, hopping over to the United Center, Blackhawks hockey. And, of course, it's a huge night. Marion Hosa's number being uh, sent up to the rafters. And if you are going to the game, get there early. We were reminding fans at the last game to do that. But I know most Blackhawks fans, they got their perfect routine, right? They either go to that spot before the game or they make sure they're at the atrium at blank time before puck drops. You're going to want to be in your seat 
at 4.30. That's when the ceremony starts. It's not like right before the game like some of them are, because this is going to be a whole big thing, 4.30. So get a move on to the United Center if you haven't already. That goes for me, too. Going to run over the next. Audrey Anderson, um, big Blackhawks fan I know as well, right? Yes, definitely. You're going to be, we'll, we'll miss you at the, at the arena tonight. We'll have to get you there soon. Um, we've been talking about crime in the suburbs and how hard and difficult it is to really grasp uh, what it is besides the vibe out there? Because I, I maybe you'd agree the vibe amongst people is is that crime has skyrocketed. Very true. That's what the perception definitely is. But we don't necessarily have the numbers to back it up. Correct. We do not yet, and I don't know if we ever will have the accurate numbers. Right. And it's not to say that the vibe is wrong. It just may be over exemplified, right? I mean, it, it could end up being that, yes, we do have more murders, carjackings, robberies in the suburbs, but it may not be matched to the perception that people have about how it is. Exactly, because it seems to be in the forefront. It's leading news on any news broadcast, on mm-hmm. any news app. It always seems to be the sky high number of shootings or homicides or carjackings that are occurring here and elsewhere across the U.S. And the communication apps that we use, the next doors of the world, the Facebook groups that we have, where every single crime gets put on there, and then everyone in the town who uses that sees it, which there is a a use to that. There is a utility to that that is beneficial to a lot of people, but I think it can kind of get in people's heads a little bit. Right. It leads people to be concerned, so they come downtown. I mean, it's great that the message can be disseminated quickly if there is an issue, Mm -hmm. a kidnapping or a standoff so you shouldn't go to an area, which is excellent Mm -hmm. for public safety. But then people think there's crime rampant, so you can't go down Michigan Avenue to go look in the windows or shop for Christmas. Right. Well, I I even so I live in Downers Grove, and I know I probably said that 10,000 times and people are sick of it. But I saw someone posting that they were at a fast food and like literally no crime happened. They just didn't like the look of a situation and they left. And look, if ever, if you don't feel safe, you should leave. Right. That's, you know, fine. That's there's no problem with that. But then posting it on an app that something was fishy, nothing happened. I went and looked at the police blotter. Absolutely. The the person couldn't even describe what was fishy about it. And then to say that and have a bunch of other people go, yeah, things are you can't go to fast food in Downers Grove after 930 at night. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? But, I mean, I know people have had scary circumstances, so it's hard to tell someone, don't be scared, because there are legitimate reasons for it. I don't know. Right. No, that's true, cause, because what one person could perceive right. it makes all the difference, whereas what actually could have been is just a person having a bad day, getting some bad information, just having a moment, and sounding off or acting out or... Who knows? Right, 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 right. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you feel like crime is up in your neighborhood, I'm not trying to judge you. You may be right. I just want to make sure we insert as many facts as we can into this and recognize that the data is a little bit limited. Okay. We do have some data or, you know, you from, in, you know, informally having worked or formally working in this stuff, but um, things that crimes that did go up during the pandemic and that maybe we have seen some sort of a retreat. Um, but what really was a big crime that that happened more during the pandemic than before? Right. So a lot of things that I was seeing and talking to other criminal defense attorneys or prosecutors, just because you can see these people charged in bond court or you talk to law enforcement friends are it seems like residential burglary. So people breaking into people's homes really sort of decreased during the pandemic. So that somewhat. went down because people were at home. Right. People are at home. So no one's really breaking into homes because they know they're at home. They're not at school. They're not at work because they're doing that remotely now. Mm-hmm. So other crimes that did increase were motor vehicle thefts, so car thefts, carjackings. And it seemed like a lot of crimes were 
random people were injured outside increased, but I think that could be because there aren't as many people out and about. Mm-hmm. So random people being injured in a gunfire or some sort of random altercation increased because there's not as many people out there. So your chances are higher. Interesting point. So instead of having 100 people on the street where there's noise, there's people, there's pedestrian activity, criminals were either able to target someone if there was way less people out there or just happened to have an altercation and no one was around to stop it or to prevent it. So I I could see why that might have an increase. Okay. And then we got a lot. What I saw was uh, domestic violence because everyone's trapped at home. There's nowhere to escape, especially when it's cold outside. Like in the summertime, perhaps you can go for a walk or go to the park. And then a lot of DUIs, actually, just because people would, you know, drink in the garage and not want to Uber or take a, you know, oh, a get train. into a small space like right. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then they would drive themselves home. Right. What is going up now? What are, it's a weird way to say it, trending crimes that you're seeing a lot more of than you were before? So it seems now that it's getting more towards the holidays and some more family and things like that. There's, again, the increase of DUIs or domestics, but also crimes involving juveniles. It seems to have increased more, especially in like high schoolers, freshmen or so, or sophomores in high school. And I don't know, and just talking to the parents or my clients or other people's clients, it just seems as if perhaps them being restricted to COVID at home and not having the socialization for the young preteens and teenagers, Mm. and then they jump into high school, and there's a huge demand. And so just their social interaction doesn't seem to be as developed as it had been. Interesting. So the stay at home for some kids was, you know, a couple months for some kids, it was a full year or the remote and they didn't have as much time to interact with with other students could be a reason why they are acting out differently. Uh, their, Their socialization skills are not where they normally would be. And the jarring nature of going from not seeing other people and people your own age to all of a sudden being thrust into that has caused perhaps a, a spike in juvenile crime. I think so. From what I've seen in in talking to other defense attorneys, it just seems that way. And perhaps teenagers not realizing um, having to have the decision making that they used to have before. They're trying to show off with friends or just trying to fit in. It's just different how they're uh, responding to things or stimuli from students and teachers. We're entering the holiday season. Are there crimes that you notice tick up uh, now that we get to Thanksgiving and the uh, December holidays? Right, definitely. It seems like people are out shopping a lot more. So it seems as if we're getting identity theft or credit card, debit card fraud, things of that nature, just mm-hmm. because people are out there shopping and credit cards are laying around or your purses you're leaving in the shopping cart or pickpockets from your wallet. That's happening too. Do the holidays add stress to people? Are there more crimes associated with what happens at home? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Unfortunately for families, you seem like it's a time of joy to be together, but still a lot of families, they just have tension or a lot of baggage in history that's difficult to deal with. And they haven't been able to get the mental health treatment or just therapy to talk to someone through these issues because of COVID. It was just so limited. And so now they're thrust all together and all these issues are flaring. Is there any recommendations for people that you have uh, heading into the holiday seasons of things to watch out for, look out for, whether it's the credit card or if they're in a situation that is not great domestically about resources they can go to? Thoughts that you have on that? Right, definitely. A lot of police departments now have social workers that are involved at the police department to help. So you can always reach out to a police department for a social worker or your county health departments. Those are excellent places and they're always open. Well, not like at midnight, but they're typically open so that you can call or go there to see if there's someone you can talk to or resources if you need help with a loved one as well. Right, for sure. It's just a difficult time of year for a lot of people, too. 
we love to paint this picture of this wonderful holiday season. And for many people, it is, right? It's great. But like you said, it can open up old wounds, people being together. It's colder. They can't go out as much. And there just seems to be this you know, spike in, in, in crime, as you've mentioned, within the home. And unfortunately, that involves children, too, sometimes. Very true. Yeah. Right. Let's take a break. We'll continue our conversation with Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. You go to AA, oh, excuse me, AndersonAA.com for more information. More after this. Oh, Audrey Anderson has her eye on the TV. What's the score right now, by the way? I was just trying to look. You caught me. Okay, sorry. We'll find that out. Oh, still tied. 24 all. Okay. Uh, that's uh, the Bears game as well. And Happen OB will have the post game show here. You do not want to miss that. Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. We're trying to get a handle on crime in the suburbs is our topic today about whether it truly is spiking super high like other people, some people say. And we, I think we've concluded that the data is just hard to reach. I know that there's a lot of perception out there about what certain states attorneys do and how they handle things differently by what they decide to charge people with or not. And whether or not that can lead to crime spikes in certain communities. And I guess, Audrey, it makes sense on paper, right? Right. It definitely makes sense. I mean, if prosecutors are not charging people and you're letting criminals out because they don't have to postpone, in theory, I suppose it does make sense. If a person's charged with a residential burglar and they're not in jail while their case is pending and they're going out, well, yeah, sure, they're going to run out and commit a new crime. That's what people think. Or if there is more crime, it's because someone has committed before the recidivism. Right. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that someone committed one crime is going to do it again, but I would imagine it's a higher propensity of previous criminals to commit crimes than folks that don't commit crimes, right? Right. So you could see why you think, well, if these people aren't going to jail, these criminals, then of course there are going to be more crime. But the numbers are a little fuzzy there, aren't they? We don't quite have that. uh, We can't necessarily, at least in the data that we have in front of us, draw a direct line between those, can we? No, right. Unfortunately, we cannot. So some people believe the Bail Reform Act is an excellent idea. Some people argue that it's good to not have people caged in jails, but rather put them back in their home environment with services while they're awaiting the conclusion or termination of their cases. So that is a better alternative to decrease crime because you're providing them with support and services so that they won't commit crime while their cases are still pending. Yeah. And this is what makes this so difficult is obviously our political leaders are at the forefront of deciding how we address rises in crime. Okay, they have to win re-election. They want to show improvement within their terms. They want to show that they're tough in certain situations or that they are mindful of certain communities and wanting to make sure that there isn't recidivism, right? And I think what we are left with is this push and pull, this tug of war between people that want immediate answers and people that want long-term solutions. And I feel like we need both. Right. Definitely need both because you have to try to curb the problem now, but then try to ensure that it doesn't happen in the future. And I think the statistics are pretty clear that those individuals that are the victims of crime or the individuals charged with crime are teenagers to 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Do you have to enact more pro-social activities for kids that are in grammar school, junior high, high school for summertime or after school or things like that? But then again, funding, where do you come up for funding? Do you have different types of um, nonprofits that can step in? Right. Well, then who's going to be leading those and funding those as well? Right. And if crime continues to rise while you're trying to do these longer term solutions, you, I, I see why people just say lock them all up. 
right? I, I, I guess I get that urge. And I know a lot of people are probably screaming that at the radio right now. You do something wrong, you do your time, make it a really bad punishment for a long time, right? I guess, I mean, in, in, in your head, that makes sense. But it, it, what does that do for generations, right? I think that's, that's the approach that more people are trying to take a look at now, at least a little bit. Right, because people are trying to figure out why did an individual commit the crime? Granted, some may just be a crime of opportunity. Right. Some may do it because they have a mental health issue or a substance abuse issue. So they're stealing because they need to buy illegal drugs right. to support a habit. So I guess that is how you can provide someone services to help that it doesn't happen in the future. But again, everything needs to be funded. And where does that funds come from? The police closure rate, the rate in which they are able to complete, you know, get to prosecution and a, a guilty plea of a crime, right? They've investigated, they've solved it. That has fluctuated over the years, but in a lot of areas that's gone down, right? Right. And I think that's part of the public perception also as to the increase of crime or one of the factors that may have increased crime is the police closure rates of crimes. And that's not necessarily law enforcement's fault. I mean, they can't force eyewitnesses to come forward or have physical evidence such as DNA or fingerprints, things like that. So sometimes they can't close a case as much as they do try to solve a case. Right, exactly. Boy, there's a lot to unwrap here. And I think, you know, I don't think we went into this thinking we'd have an answer, right? And I and, and I guess my ultimate you know goal with, with talking about this is that it's complex. These are not black and white issues all the time. This is a, it's a real gray area. And I think when we resort to just trying to figure out in 10 words how we can solve something because it, it makes us feel better is the wrong way to go. And both sides are guilty of that, both political sides. Very true. It's very difficult for there to be a one solution that solves everything. It depends on where you are in your stage of life, where you live, what you've experienced, what others that you have known have experienced. For sure. Andre Anderson, who should be reaching out to you? Who, who, have you, who do you help? How can people find you? Sure. So we help adults and juveniles that are being investigated for crimes or being involved or investigated by DCFS or who have been charged with DCFS in criminal cases. And all sorts of crimes you're talking about. All sorts from traffic to murder. Right. That's not the slogan you have on your website. It is not. That's not as catchy. (laughs) It's not as catchy. But I guess that's the range we're talking about. That is the range. Most of them are probably more in the middle, right? A lot of more in the middle. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, that one. Hello. Uh, AndersonAA.com, Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. Uh, six three. What's the phone number you want us to reach? The one on the website, right? Yes. 630-877-5800. 630-877-5800. Coverage area, where primarily do you do most of your work? So we do in the surrounding Collar counties and Cook counties. So DuPage, Kane, Kendall, Will. Cook. And that's... And the, yeah. List them all off and cook. Okay. Uh, AndersonAA.com, 630-877-5800. Audrey, thanks for joining us. Thanks again for having me.